Welcome to Fresh Cut Grass, light conversation with turf grass professionals from across the turf industry, with your hosts, Jeff Fowler and Tanner DelVal. Hello and welcome to Fresh Cut Grass, a podcast for turf managers and athletic field managers. My name is Jeff Fowler and co-hosting with me is Tanner Del Val. Our topic today is crabgrass control. Tanner, welcome. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, glad to be here. So uh, what's the weather like up there right now? Well, we are snow covered and um, blue skies, but um, man, I, I'm not even thinking about going out in my yard right now. Hopefully the crabgrass is um, still laying there waiting for warm weather and not not doing its thing without me. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely looking forward to to the warmer weather. We got about 18 inches on the ground here right now, but it won't be long. Yeah, so one of the one of the things that's really neat about this um, as we go forward with this podcast is we've got both ends of the state covered. Um, I'm in the western part of the state and Tanner's in the east, so you get a little bit different perspective from not only weather, but also growing degree days and disease pressure and um, seed germination and those kinds of things. So we're both extension educators, um, have been extension educators for a number of years, um, and we're, we're, we're going to be bringing you the um, information that you need to be uh, a little bit better turf grass manager, we hope. Um, we do have uh, an email account set up, so um, if you have questions or comments or things that you would like for us to talk about on the show, um, feel free to to shoot us an email. It's real easy. It's the title of the, the podcast, Fresh Cut Grass, all one word, at psu.edu. That's just Fresh Cut Grass, at psu.edu. So we look forward to to you joining us um, as we move forward with this endeavor, and we look forward to your feedback and questions that you might have for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess our goal is probably to try to crank, you know, one or two of these out every every week. Maybe you know to have four or five, maybe six a month, uh, depending how the season goes. And as things arise, we'll talk about different topics. We'll interview different folks about various, you know, maybe jobs or projects. Uh, we'll step outside of uh, maybe some comfort levels of what we're familiar with. Uh, we're going to probably have some folks on that use turf in some really unique and different ways. Um, so really, there's, there's, there should be something for everyone that we discuss here today or throughout this series. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. So, so today, um, Tanner and I decided that we would use one of the biggest nemesis in our business early in the season that um, we use it as a topic and that's crabgrass or annual grassy weeds um, control but today specifically crabgrass um, and so so tanner and i um you know we get a lot of calls um about about crabgrass and unfortunately we don't get them until july um, they want to know what this grass is that's growing out in their yards or or why all of a sudden their grass looks a different color. And so so we thought we'd we'd tackle pre-emergence herbis or pre-emergence control of crabgrass 
and and talk about that. Um, I know Tanner, you did a you did a presentation this week um, on the virtual turf and ornamentals conference for 2021 that Penn State Extension did, and and we did a poll on what people are using as their pre-emergence control. Um, and and the the in, the numbers were kind of interesting. I don't we don't need to talk about the exact numbers, but it was interesting the number of people that were using different products. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there's you know different ways that you can achieve crabgrass control. Unfortunately, uh, that's unfortunately in our neck of the woods here, you know, north of the Mason Dixon line, um, our product selection is not as wide as they have down south. So most of our materials actually work all kind of the same way, which can be an issue from a resistance standpoint. But the materials that we do have, for the most part, work really well. And I'd say most of the folks applying preventative crabgrass materials are using granular materials with, you know, fertilizer, a fertilizer carrier. You know, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Um, you can actually, we, we'll, we'll get into talking about it. You can actually kill three birds with one stone with you using all in one material that has, uh, you know, a preventative grub material in that as well. But I guess if we take a step back, I mean, here we are, I mean, we're in February right now, but down in this, you know, the Southeast in the extreme Southeast part of the state, uh, there have been years where people have applied some of these materials in February um, or early March, especially down that Philadelphia or I-95 corridor. So what, what kind of, what kind of, um, what kind of, like, it seems early, um, obviously, but, but what kind of, um, um, time span are we looking at on these products? Like how long can I plan on them lasting if I went out and put them down? Obviously not today because we've got snow out here too, but, um, you know, when it gets a little warmer, how, how long of a lifespan can I expect out of those chemicals? Yeah, absolutely. So depending on the material, you're going to have, you know, different range of control. And most of it, though, is actually dose dependent. Um, so the rate at which you apply these materials is going to dictate how long they're going to give you preventative control. And now, obviously, you know, there are some other environmental factors like temperature and rain and maybe traffic that could, um, you know, degrade that barrier. But for the most part, um, Early in the season, we typically see materials that have prodiamine in them or potentially pendimethalin. You can also use something like Dimension, which is Dithiopyr, um, early in the season, but typically we use that as a part of a split program. You know, if we go out, we see folks going out early in the season, you know, in that end of February, early March, even mid-March. It depends, you know, no, no, no two years are the same, but, you know, March is kind of early uh, for most of the state. Um, with, there's no problem as long as you're not on frozen ground and there's no snow to put it down, but your rate of the material or the rate of the active ingredient should be pretty high. And the labels for these materials will tell you, um, you know, most of the preventative prodiamine products either come as a 0.375 or a 0.38 or a 0.43. So obviously a 0.43, you would technically need to put less of that out because it's got more of the active ingredient in it. But you got to kind of do your own math at when you're putting out this material and how long you're trying to get control until, you know, think about most of our sports fields and, you know, a lot of lawn care folks are doing overseeding sometime in that September and October timeframe. 
So it's important to remember that these materials, you know, you don't want them to still be preventing, you know, grasses in the fall, uh, late into the fall, because they will, you know, they don't discern between good grass and bad grass. Uh, if you look at these materials, the label will show you what they control. And um, on those, uh, those labels, it will preventatively control, you know, Kentucky bluegrass and perennial ryegrass and tall fescue seed that's put down. Now, it will not have an effect on existing grasses. Otherwise, we wouldn't be using these materials. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can, you can expect if you're putting it down in February or March, you know, you want to do the math and look on the label. I want to get a six or seven month control with this. So you have to, you know, raise your material. A different way to attack this is to do split applications, which we typically see with folks that are going out there early. So if you're going out there with a material early, you can go with something like dimension um, in that February, March timeframe uh, or early April, depending on where you're at in the state, um, and then transition another application, uh, a split application essentially with something like dimension typically in May. Um, and you also got to think about the timing on the back end. You know, you don't want to use a material in June or July for prevention because that can, that's going to last too long into the fall, which that's going to hurt you. Their their next call after they do that is going to be, hey, why didn't my overseeding work? Exactly. Right? Why, why did I overseed my football field and I didn't get any germination on that seed? It was a waste of money. Um, so so you talked about the timing um, and and kind of dropped into, oh, we could start looking at, you know, so now it's, you know, it's like you said, we're here in February, we're, you know, we're ordering product at this point in time. Um, you talked a little bit about the, a split application, but when, if I, if I want to do a one application um, for, for crabgrass control, what kind of, is, is there, um, Something that I should, you know, is there is there a way I should know when it's going to be right for the timing of it? Or is, you know, I mean, is, you know, if the stars align or, you know, what, how do we, how do we know what the timing is on these products? Yeah, absolutely. So there is a phenological indicator that is, I don't know if it's statistically significant, but it typically folks like to look at for Scythia. And when for Scythia, you know, it's that first uh, yellow shrub that uh, we see the flowers coming out in the springtime when the petals drop not when it turns yellow but when the petals start to drop usually around then I mean I don't like to you know say always but a lot of times around then is about when crabgrass will germinate now on depends on which study you look at but they say technically you know some of the research has shown three consecutive days and nights at 60 degrees, the soil, when the soil is 60 degrees, you get a big push of, of crabgrass germination. So that being said, if you want to do a one-time application, I would say once you start to see the yellow on them for Scythia trees, you better be or have gotten your materials down. Understand these materials are granulars and the active ingredient is on that on those fertilizer prills, if you're not spraying these materials, you need to wait for rain for them to actually, you know, that, that active ingredient to wash into the soil to actually give you prevention. Another thing to understand about these crabgrass preventers is they don't kill seed. You know, what happens is that's a barrier that you're putting in, you're putting down, whether it be a liquid or a granular and the, the rain 
will wash that material off of those granular material, the, the fertilizer prills, and essentially will make a barrier. And that barrier is very thin. So obviously, you know, a, a cleat or a divot from a club or a dog running could potentially break that barrier and then you might get crabgrass. So that's one reason for breakthrough. But the other thing to remember, I was getting back to talking about it doesn't kill seed. Um, these materials don't kill seed. They, the seed actually germinates below where that barrier is and the seedling starts to emerge and come up and, and actually absorb some of that material that then translocates within that little tiny seedling before you ever see it and, kill, and, and it kills it that way. Um, so the other thing to remember, you know, Jeff, you had asked about a one-time application. Um, if there's one material that you could use for a one-time application, a lot of times, if you can get out there before those petals, forsythia petals drop, um, ideally, you know, a couple of weeks before that, or, uh, you know, two or three weeks before that, you could use something like pendimethalin or uh, prodiamine, which would be barricade or pendulum or materials. You know, there's, we mentioned materials, that, you know, there's, a lot of um, post-patent products. So we're not just referring to just one, uh, one, specific act, um, one specific name brand of that material. But Barricade gives you more flexibility in that you can put it out really early. And if you put it out at a high enough rate, it can last you all season. Um, that's assuming that you are getting a very good application down. You know, that's another reason to do split applications because it gives you two chances realistically to get a good and even application um, now if you're spraying it you can probably typically folks that are spraying um, pre-emergent materials will only do usually one application because um, you're going to get a typically a very even application you know you're assuming that your sprayers you're not going to be skipping um, so on golf courses for instance you know a lot of times we'll see just one application um, now you can still get season long control with something like dimension, but you just have to adjust your rates. And this goes back to, again, this whole dose dependent relationship between crabgrass control and, you know, how much active ingredient you're putting down. Higher, the higher the active ingredient, you know, the better and longer control you're going to get. So with dimension, those, the different availability of fertilizers that the amount of you know, active ingredient, whether it be like a 0.10 or a 0.15 or a 0.17. I mean, it goes all the way up to like a 0.25 on granular material. So there's a wide range of these fertilizers that have a different amount of dimension on them. And that's why it's so important to, to understand that just because a material has dimension in it, that doesn't mean you're going to get the control that you desire. It's just like, think about like Tylenol. You know, it's all dose dependent. If you take a, a quarter of a Tylenol pill, you might not get the pain relief that you, you, you are seeking. Conversely, if you take 10 Tylenols, you might be spending a night in the ER. Um, yeah, so, you'll, be spending more, you'll be spending more than one night there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So those are, those are all the things to think about. And when people have breakthrough, these are all parts of the conversation that we have. So Tanner, a couple of years ago, um, we put out some some demonstration plots um, for some extension meetings that we were doing, um, and and you put down your your um, plots there in the east, and I put them down in the west, um, and you know I I'll be honest, um, I put them down one good sunny day because <clears throat> it was the right day to do it. 
um, and I had time to do it. Um, and I didn't really think about it um, until about three or four weeks later, the, the grass where I had put those demonstration plots started to kind of get brown and crinkly. Um, and it, it's really important to pay attention to the label. Um, you, these products have to be watered in. Um, I didn't have irrigation on the fields that I put these um, demonstration plots down. And, um, you know, I had, I had some crispy grass. Yeah, you can definitely um, overdo it. Typically in the springtime, we usually get those timely rains, but there have been cases for sure of, um, you know, you can get some burn. A lot of that's going to come back to the the type of fertilizer that you're using uh, in the bag. Uh, if it's a kind of a hotter material or has a lot more quick release, you can definitely run into that. You know, the other thing, you know, you talking about that brings up another point about some years in the springtime, we got a lot of rain and it's very wet. And sometimes it's hard to get out onto either some of these properties or these fields to get the application down. And that's another, um, we'll say advocate or, or reason to do split applications because you can get out there a lot earlier at some point and get an application down and then not have to be worried about, oh my, I got to get out there and the rain or the weather is preventing you from getting out there. So that's a, another reason to do split applications. Yeah, certainly, certainly worth a consideration um, splitting those splitting those applications up and splitting up those products to to catch them catch those little seedlings at a different time or a different stage. Yeah, um, the other thing that, to think about too is when you do split applications, you don't need to do two applications at a high rate. You know, because you're doing two applications, so your first application you could do at like a three month rate. Most of the time, most folks on, on cool season turf are doing two applications of fertilizer in the springtime, whether it be in, you know, typically in that March timeframe and then one in like May or June. Now, June's getting a little late to do crabgrass prevention, but um, if you're in the northern part of the state or maybe you're somewhere else in the country, it's going to, you know, your, your seasons are going to dictate when that should occur. But that being said, a good program, if you're going to go on a split type program, would be using dimension twice so a dithiopyr or dithiopyr is the active ingredient use a material that has dithiopyr twice or using something like barricade first and then dimension you have two different active ingredients out there but you have to go at the right rates you know we talked about that but i don't typically see or recommend folks doing two applications of barricade um, because that's not really going to it's not really necessary to do two applications the other thing which i ironically didn't bring up yet is that Barricade does not give you any post-emergent control of crabgrass, whereas Dimension will. It'll tell you on the label that it'll give you up to, uh, I believe it says one tiller stage. I mean, I wouldn't bank on the fact that you're going to get control. Remember, this: these materials do have to be watered in. Typically, we get rain that that occurs. Uh, but maybe if you're spraying it, you could get a little bit more control on that already emerging crabgrass that one tiller stage is really like a very very small crabgrass plant um but uh that's just another reason to do split applications you can go with barricade or dimension first before any crabgrass comes up and then your second application if there is any little seedlings coming up in may you could get some post-emergent control with that application of bar of i'm sorry not barricade dimension so a barricade dimension or dimension dimension would be uh, ideally the materials uh, or the the programs to use um, and with that second dimension application, 
a rule of thumb with that material, it'll tell you depending on, um, you know, what rate you're going at in your location or how long of control you want. But we try to recommend at least a quarter of a pound of active ingredient per thousand, uh, or I'm sorry, per acre. And then for barricade, it would be 0.75 pounds of active ingredient per acre. And all those calculations are on the label. So it's, you don't have to do that yourself. Uh, just understand that the label has a lot of this good information on there. Yeah, I that, label, that label, a lot of people, um, we get a lot of calls or, um, about, oh, how much of this should, should I use or, or what, what, what PPE should I wear? And it's all on the label. And that label is a legal document. So, you know, never forget to, to check out that label. Oh, for sure. Um, so what my, what I typically recommend folks do is look on the label of the material and go at a rate where something with the, like the dimension material that you get to that 0.3 pounds, you know, I know that's higher than the 0.25 I said, but it's just giving you an extra, a little bit better of a buffer of, of how much better control you're going to get or how much longer control you're going to get. So you don't have to go with a, you know, uh, like a 0.5 rate of dimension which would be more closer to like a season long rate of that material that's pounds of active ingredient per acre but um if you're doing a split app you don't need to get a season long control with that second application because you already put down either a first application of dimension you know back in in march or or even february depending on where you're at um or you did an application of barricade early um so you don't need to get you only need to get a four month rate when you're in may at that point yeah, so the last thing I wanted to say about that was that the, the one thing about these materials, if you look, we talk about crabgrass prevention, but they prevent a bunch of other annual weeds that are on there as well. Just depends on the material. So that's another reason for using these materials. Yeah. And you started, you, you touched on something there that I want you to, to, I, I get a, in the Northwest part of the state, um, we're, we're two, two and a half, sometimes three weeks behind, um, you know, the southeast corner of the state with weather and growing degree days. So we're a little bit later. Um, we can get away with a little bit later application. And we have this thing out in, in my corner of the world called snow that we get a lot of in, um, I had, I've had more baseball games snowed out than I have rained out in my 30 years in Northwest Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So, so how much does that does that freeze? So if I get germination on my crabgrass, um, you know, because the soil temperatures go up to 50 degrees and then bam, I get a snowstorm um, or a freeze. How much does that affect those little, those little one, one tiller plants? If we get more than that, I, I know we're not going to get much, but what do we, what happens to them? Oh, absolutely. So when you get, I mean, these warm, we're going to, we're talking about crabgrass and maybe some other maybe warm season grass, annual grasses, they don't tolerate freezing temperatures. So there is that, that, that to keep that in mind is if you do get a frost, even if, even if it's the first or second week of April, for instance, and then you get a frost, that's gonna, it's gonna kill all those seedlings um, pretty much immediately. So a lot of times you check on your, you can check probably on the weather on your weather apps or wet, uh, online to figure out what your, what do they call that last freeze um, of the, of the 
in the winter. And then in the fall, they have like the first freeze. There's a date on average uh, that that occurs. I mean, every year is a little bit different. But I know up in your neck of the woods, you have two seasons, right? Winter and what's the other season? Fourth of July. Yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely or, or winter or winter in construction, road construction season, maybe a, a better one. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, that that's been uh, it's been helpful information um, talking about um, crabgrass control and um, you know one of the one of the folks that we hope to get on um, on this podcast with us someday um, in the near future are the the Pennsylvania climatology folks from from the climate office um, to t- kind of talk about that first freeze, last freeze. Um, when we expect to see them across the state. And those are all things that we, we don't have to track them as individual turf managers um, because there's lots of places that you can measure growing deg- or you can see growing degree days being measured. So you don't need to go out and buy some expensive um, thing to put in your window to, to measure those or put it in the ground to measure them. There's lots of places that you can get growing degree days, um, you know, to help you with that phenology that Tanner talked about. Um, it's no, it's nothing magic about the, when the forsythia blooms is when we expect you to be thinking about getting that crabgrass control out, right? It's when soil temperatures, um, go above 50 degrees. And that's when, um, we expect germination. We know that's when germination happens. So, by saying forsythia blooms, we know that forsythia blooms when the soil temperatures get to 50 degrees. Um, so it's, it's not, not anything that Tanner and Jeff just made up or any other turf professionals made up. It's, it, it's got science behind it. Absolutely. Um, the other thing, you know, talking about, I know, Jeff, you do a lot of work with uh, sports fields uh, and you've done a lot of work with the Little League World Series. On these sports fields, I, how, mu- how much are folks... Are folks doing overseeding in the springtime on these fields? It, it depends on which sport it is. Um, baseball fields, um, obviously, we're not, we don't have a chance to get on to them in the spring. Um, but f- football and, and, and soccer, um, you know, that are fall sports, um, that's, when we're, that's when we have the window to go in and overseed them. Um, so we always run into what do I do with – with my overseeding program, um, because they're, 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 the football and soccer fields are being used heavily in the fall f- for competition. Um, a lot of times when we're in a, um, a practice a practice scenario, we can get coaches to work with us and say, "Hey, can you go practice on, you know, the the." the field next to the game field so that I can overseed or, or get some stuff done to the, to the game field to make it safer and, and better for you. Um, and they're normally pretty cooperative, but yeah, that is something we got to pay attention to is that spring, spring overseeding um, with, with crabgrass control. Yeah. So it, it's uh there are a couple of materials that have been around for a while that you have some safety as far as they allow you to put a, put one of these materials down and still get germination. One that was around for a long time, still is, is Tupersan, a little bit more widely used on golf courses. Yeah, it has to be sprayed. Um, the other material that's been around for, for a while now is uh, Tenacity or Mesotrion. And 
that can be sprayed. It gives you flexibility of being able to put that out uh, either as a liquid or now it's available on a granular starter fertilizer carrier that you can put that out in an area in the springtime and seed in the same day and get, you know, 30 to 40, 50 days, depending on weather of control, preventative control, and actually a little bit of post-emergent control of crabgrass. That being said, if you're going to use one of these materials, um, really the best thing to do is to get that seed down early as possible because once the crabgrass starts to germinate, there's just so much competition and that crabgrass is out there. Uh, it's a problem because it's very good at competing with other annual grasses uh, or even perennial grasses, but ones that are seeded at the same time. So talk with your, um, you know, whoever you're purchasing materials from, or, you know, some of the stores that are around you may, may carry some of these materials. Yeah, definitely. So, so um, we, we talked about pre-emergence. Um, so now we've got, we've got um, the system down. We've, we've got pre-emergence. What about those folks um, that, that we get the calls, Tanner, um, in, in July and they want to know why this crabgrass is growing um, in a yard that they put down pre-emergence or on this turf area that they they applied pre-emergence. Is there is there an effective way that we can go in and knock that those annual grasses out of there? Um, let's say mid-July, um, you know, after we've got active growing going on. No, oh, absolutely. So the first thing I've gotten several calls like that. And the first thing is to make sure that what they're looking at is indeed crabgrass. Sometimes it is not crabgrass, or it could be something like quackgrass, or maybe even tall fescue, you know, a Kentucky 31 variety tall fescue, or goosegrass. Um, though our preventative materials typically will control or prevent goosegrass. Um, we can get in in other shows, subsequent shows, we'll talk about probably methods to you know, reduce populations of other weeds or cultural practices, you know, obviously the more healthy your stand of turf is going to be, it's going to better compete. But um, if you need to go out there with a post-emergent material, there are options. Um, a claim would be one or drive um, with the addition of methylated seed oil. Um, so, you know, follow the, the, the label rates for those materials um, that uh, drive that material um, is widely available also in a post patent formulation as well. The active ingredient in that is actually quinclorac and a claim is also available. There are some materials uh, with both quinclorac and phenoxaprop, which is, uh, I believe a claim. Those, those two materials are available in, in combination mixes with other products. So there's materials like Q4 or solitaire, uh, or last call that may control a bunch of other weeds. So you kind of have to look at your site, but yes, to answer your question, Jeff, there are post materials that can be used. I like to ask questions with folks though. Number one, are they looking at crabgrass? And number two, let's talk about the application and did they do it correctly at the right time? Oh, I put it down in, in June. Well, that's too late. Um, not all crabgrass germinates at the same time, but a majority of it, I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of it comes up in the spring and that early, that early flush. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing that I see when I get those calls in July is, um, mistiming on the application, on the pre-emergence application, um, or, um, 
misidentification of crabgrass. There, there are a lot of things that look like crabgrass. I mean, all the annual grasses really look similar um, from a distance. Um, you know, you got to get down on your hands and knees and, and really um, look at those plants to identify what you're dealing with. Post-emergence. Um, Pre-emergence, as Tanner already said, we can knock most of them um, with this, you know, with those same applications, but um, post-emergence, uh, it changes up pretty quickly what we need to do. It's a lot cheaper and easier to prevent these weeds than to go in post-emergently after. Now, there are Absolutely. folks... There are folks out there that have, you know, like you said, with these athletic fields, if they're heavily used fields and they're overseeding all year long, um, they are precluded from using materials like barricade and dimension. They'll have to use something like tenacity uh, repeatedly throughout the season, which we see a lot. Um, tenacity is not going to be the best material for, for preventing crabgrass, but it's, it's better than nothing. Um, but the other things that you can do, and it's also expensive, exactly. Um, the other thing that you can do is to get better control with crabgrass for all lawns is really to mow properly, you know, irrigate, fertilize properly, you know, whatever you can do to, you know, get that turf in the best, uh, best shape, keep your mower blade sharp. Uh, a lot of it's common sense, but sometimes it gets overlooked, especially when you're dealing with folks that maybe don't have the green thumb and aren't out there dealing with this on a, on a daily basis, like a lot of us. Yep. Yep. So do you have anything to add Tanner to, pre-emergence control of crabgrass before we wrap up today's show? No, I think the only other thing is just to, you know, really look at the materials, make sure you're putting the stuff down at the right rates. If you're using granular materials, um, make sure that your equipment's calibrated correctly. I see issues with, you know, spreaders, whether they be ride-on machines or push spreaders or chest-mounted spreaders that are throwing too much to left or the right. Um, just just make sure that you know you want to put down typically somewhere the amount of material that you put down is usually you know we like to see at least three and a half more like four to four and a half pounds of fertilizer per thousand square feet there's a lot of factors that come into that it depends on your material but a lot of times we're looking around those rates that a, a 50 pound bag of fertilizer will typically cover around 10,000 to 12,000 square feet um, for most of these materials the all-in-one materials are out there the rates on those materials are different. Typically they're going to be higher. So a bag may only get you, you know, seven or 8,000 square feet, maybe 9,000 square feet. So your rates are a little bit higher, but they enable you to get season long control with the addition of a grub control material. But again, that's the, uh, the, the financial aspect of that material. They are, they're pretty expensive. Yep. No doubt. Um, so I think that's going to wrap up our, our, our show for today. Um, I'd say thanks, Tanner, for being with us, but you're going to be with us um, for every episode of today. Um, again, we have a, an email address. Um, if you have questions or things that you would like for us to talk about on the show, um, feel free to throw them at us, freshcutgrass at psu.edu. Um, and we'll get to those and we can answer those on a show or we can send them back to you, um, answer you directly. So I think this is going to be a great, a great way for us to communicate with lawn care and sports turf managers, um, not only in Pennsylvania, but wherever we, wherever we get listeners from, Tanner. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to, glad to chat with you and uh, looking forward to, to more discussions about 
about all of this type of uh, you know interesting turf stuff and the folks that we're gonna we're gonna have on here. Again, this is Jeff Fowler and Tanner Del Val, Penn State Extension educators, um, on our podcast um, titled "Fresh Cut Grass," um, and we look forward to seeing you again next time. Thanks for being with us.